Hey there, it's JVL. On The Secret Show with Sarah Longwell today, we talked about old puddin' fingers. Here's the show. Okay, so we begin our Friday morning with shots fired from the MAGA war room where they are rolling out an internet ad hitting Ron DeSantis. Remember, he used to pronounce his name differently, then he changed it. I know. Did you true? know that? Oh, no. yeah. Oh, Tim and I did a whole thing. on. You, there's all this audio for him talking, like introducing himself. Hi, my name is Ron DeSantis. And uh, anyway, it's it's all very funny. Uh, here, let me let me play the audio for for people who haven't yet seen it. Ron DeSantis loves sticking his fingers where they don't belong. And we're not just talking about pudding. DeSantis has his dirty fingers all over senior entitlements. Like cutting Medicare, slashing Social Security, even raising our retirement age. Tell Ron DeSantis to keep his pudding fingers off our money. Oh, and somebody get this man a spoon. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Okay, so first of all, programming note, when I said I was going to play it and I was just going to hold it up to the microphone, you were like, no, I thought you were going to do something more technical to integrate it. You just did exactly the same thing I was going to do. Yeah, I was trying to make your life easier so you didn't have to do it. Oh. I wasn't like, I'm going to do it better than you. I, just, I was well, I just trying to save like a, you the... I thought you were going to like integrate it into the system like a no. producer would instead of you know our janky way of just holding things onto the mic. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the, the flagship podcasts get cool producer things. We get JVL holding his phone up to the microphone. Uh, so hopefully you guys could hear that. Uh, so my producer, Barry, Barry Rubin, sends it to me this morning. And I... This this ad is a this ad has layers, okay? And and if you so the visual on it is a lot of it's they've got a fake Ron DeSantis basically and three fingers going into the pudding and over and over <laughs> until it's empty and then there's like pudding splat, splatters next to he voted three times to cut social security, two times to cut Medicare and like just pudding everywhere. Uh <laughs> I can't in my head just uh I kept wanting to be like Boy, that's going to stick. Get it? (laughs) Here's the problem. That is a Trump-made ad. Mm -hmm. That ad is funny. Mm -hmm. That ad is, uh, I think, that ad could have been made for a general election from a Democrat. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's going to work. This is why why Trump is so hard to go up against. uh, Because he's just going to murder you. And mock you, right? What do you think? What do you think, JBL? You think it sticks? I think it's pretty bad. I think it's pretty bad. Uh, Bad in what way? Bad for DeSantis. Yeah. In the way that you you have an excellent piece for the Bulwark coming on Monday, and the the point you make in it is something you've said here. The danger for Ron DeSantis is he he has two things closing in on him. On the one hand, uh, he, and we'll talk about this in a minute, just signed a six-week abortion ban bill, which is going to hurt him a lot and might even hurt him in the Republican Party a little bit. I mean, the the truth is there are going to be Republican Party voters who look at this and are like, what is this psychopath doing? This isn't what we signed up for, right? This is, you know, like even in Kansas, you can get a majority of people who are not into a six-week abortion ban. Uh, And... Then on the other hand, he's got this Paul Ryan history 
which is no longer where Republican voters are. They don't want to go back to that. They don't want 2012 anymore. That that, And I just, you know, the idea of Ron DeSantis, culture warrior, is very attractive when he's just down in Florida hurting brown people. But I don't know, man. Like, when you get into an actual Republican primary where he's not going up against Charlie Crist and he's got to answer this. And then, you know, it turns out he's not, like, super charismatic and he get Glenn Youngkin on line one, right? <laughs> I mean, that that's really what the, I honestly I think that's what the the subtext of this ad is. Uh, is it too late for the establishment to switch horses here? And what's funny is the other knock on DeSantis is that he doesn't play well with others and that nobody actually likes him. Well, and so it, it, it's even be, worse than that. Can yeah, I just because like the, I, to me the subtext of the ad is this guy's a weirdo. Yeah, weirdo. Yeah, weirdo guy. Uh, and and yes, like and I think that part of what's so that like there was a I think there was a period of time where the weirdo thing was like circulating, but nobody else, b- but voters didn't see that. Like that hadn't sunk in on voters because. It was a mainstream media phenomenon or, or like it was like the Daily Beast phenomenon. Right. This has always been the problem for DeSantis. What does Trump do? He takes all the things, the negative things that people have said about Ron DeSantis that they haven't heard because they don't engage in that type of media. And he – because you know who shared that ad? Uh, oh, I think it was – oh, well, maybe now – now maybe it was the MAGA war room and I, that's not the same thing as uh, Steve Bannon's war room. Uh, but because – you know, but like – but I was I was going to make the point. The point's still true, even though that's not who shared it, that this is like pulling people on side. People, the Trump people, ban whatever, get seeing Ron DeSantis get owned like this and being like, this guy's a weirdo. And that Trump megaphone just blaring it out to people. They're like, yeah, that establishment rhino weirdo, we hate him. And yeah. he has not. And that like that can that can that can change on a dime. As as you have said about DeSantis for a long time, his support is is broad, shallow. very shallow, because they don't have any personal commitment to him other than I liked him on Fox when he was making fun of the libs. Yeah. Right? And yeah. the minute they think, wait a minute, actually, he's just trying to sucker us by pretending that he's MAGA. So, yeah, get Glenn Youngkin. And as I said, the... the it's not like there are a bunch of establishment people who had just have long histories with DeSantis and love him personally. Like nobody likes him, right? You know, you go you go to the Republican Governors Association meetings and he's off in a corner by himself. It's not that the donors really just think that, oh, this guy gets us, you know, and he's they they it's been a purely transactional relationship up to this point. And uh I I I know. He still has to run, I think. I don't think he can wait. But uh, you know, if if he waits, his position is unlikely to ever be better than it is now. But his position isn't super great right now and it is still deteriorating. So you know that I am not one of uh, that I I was a person who thought he might not run before 22. Uh but then coming out of 22, Trump's relative weakness relative to Trump's normal levels of support and DeSantis's relative strength. Uh, after winning Florida, I was like, yeah, he's kind of got to do it. Plus he was releasing these ads of him in like a bomber jacket and God made a fighter. And like that is positioning yourself for, no, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to go in there. I will say 
I don't ever like this to talk. I don't like to quite say this, but you and Tim say this a lot. Uh, although I'm, I, it is true. Uh, but like, they just want Trump to die, right? Like, yeah. like Trump dying is basically, and if so, if you're Ron DeSantis, right? It's not that you think you could the the only way your position is better. There's sort of two ways you could think about it. But let's say you're getting nervous because you don't like seeing ads with people saying you're a weirdo pudding guy, establishment rhino, and you think Jesus. Let somebody else deal with this guy this time. Because you know what? He's going to lose and then he's going to die. And then I – and I'm 44 years old and I can come back and I can do this again. Um, I I could like I, – I don't believe that. I sort of think he has to and I've made that argument that he has to. Uh, but there's part of me that is always – when I was making my original argument, I did a, like a long thread and like the DeSantis people were so mad at me. But I was like – why get in the ring with this guy? He's going to be grotesque and he's going to be horrible and you haven't dealt with it. And, you know, you and I, I said, you know, DeSantis, he doesn't have a deep relationship with these voters. And when you see him, he's not that comfortable in his own skin. He is smiles are forced like he is not a charismatic guy. And why let like you if you ran in a field where Trump didn't exist and you could define yourself, you're in a much better position than running against Trump where he's going to define you with people who love him and the whole party's going to tip over on it. And so, like, could DeSantis get intimidated out of this race? I still say no, but, like, seeing stuff like this makes it's me possible. think makes me think it's possible. Yeah, that he I mean, goes, it's not a high percentage, but I think there's a one in ten chance that he passes. Yeah. Which is, you know, different than it was four months ago when it was probably a one in a hundred chance of him passing. But the other the other problem with all of this and what none of these guys understand, I don't think, is that the question isn't can you get in the ring and go toe to toe with Trump? Because everything they do is unilateral disarmament. Right. It's can I get in the ring and just stand there and have Trump hit me over and over because none of them are willing to criticize him for anything because he has a cult and they don't. Right. Right. And and That's this right. is the the asymmetry of these guys who just, you know, Tim Scott. Oh, there's hardly any policies I disagree with. I'm so grateful that Mr. Trump was president, you know, and Nikki Haley. And I, well, I don't want to say I'm sorry, like to get into a race and be unwilling to criticize the guy who is over 50% support. Why are you doing it? Right. And if you aren't willing to go in there and throw shots, then I mean, you, you might as well pass because otherwise you're just hoping that something happens and he blows up, which is, as you have been saying for two years now, two years ago, you started on this, Sarah, saying this is 2016 all over again. Look at the, look what's happening. And you were right. They Get really it. are sure. waiting for something else to blow up. And what and you pointed this out, just this is why we're complimenting each other on being right about stuff. Your point about the fact that like what's crazy the craziest thing about that you're banking on something blowing him up, but they have to defend him yes. against those things, <laughs> those exogenous events that would be the thing to take him out, like the indictments they have to be on his side for. And so they are <laughs> participating in keeping those exogenous events from hurting him. <laughs> it's the it's the craziest thing. It's the craziest dynamic. And I don't – I don't know. Sometimes I look at this and I think these people aren't stupid. 
they may be fools, but they're not stupid. Sure. How they is see it what's they happening. don't see what's happening? How is it what? that they don't understand this stuff? And I'll never I'll never quite get it. I mean, maybe maybe they have a deeper a deeper understanding of where the base is, but I don't know. I feel like the scales have fallen from our eyes. I feel like we're pretty clear-eyed about all this stuff. And uh I don't know. Ooh. So so here's the thing. So here's a couple things that I think. So the the piece that I wrote uh, for Monday is about like the before times, the before Trump and the after Trump and how there's a bunch of these politicians, many of them I think are going to end up running for president uh, because they're and they're from the before times, right? Nikki Haley's from the before times, Tim Scott's mm-hmm. from the before times, Mike Pence is from the before times. Um, now, the people who have a shot, like Trump isn't the only person. The people who have a shot are people whose identities were forged in the after times, right? After 2016. Um, and so, you know, Ron DeSantis him being a a, a proto Trump politician who launched his campaign literally with his kid building the wall with blocks and with his baby in a Trump onesie that he's reading the art of the deal to like that's a guy who he did he he forged his that identity then and so voters were like ooh this guy looks like Trump without the baggage Trump with a mute button Trump not on steroids still all relative to Trump I will just point out and how they thought about him but they look at Nikki Haley and they think she's a nice enough person but like she's She's the she's the past. We are not going yeah. back there. Uh, same with Mike Pence, right? So none of these people are are viable. But I do think that they they know that the party has changed, which is why their rhetoric now is different. Like they're running as candidates who are not the same as they would have run. Nikki Haley's not running as the same person she would have run as in 2015, right? She's running in a world yes. where like Trump's been a president and she sees that. But she I would have think- run as Rubio. That's right. But that's exactly right. But I don't think that they really get it. I think they understand that things have changed. They understand the base is different. They understand they've got to sound different in order to appeal to a different constituency. But I don't think they get how much like, oh, did you want to have a sunny, optimistic message, Tim Scott? No, thanks. We're here for catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Nikki Haley, did you want to be serious about foreign policy? No, thanks. We want a clown so- show circus that because we've been raised on anti-heroes and reality TV, and we now need that in our politics. And so I just I think that they they know and they know they are they are understand that Trump's the front runner, but they're still going to spend all their money against DeSantis. Uh, and that is because. They, they halfway understand that Trump still dominates the party and the best that they can hope for is to run, not make him mad at them, and still have a place in Republican politics in the hopes that someday this man will die and they think things can go back to normal. And they will not have realized by that point, after the after there's 10 more Marjorie Taylor Greens and 16 more Lauren Boberts and a whole bunch of other weirdos in the Senate, and you're going to be wishing Mitch McConnell was back, wishing you had some normal Senate candidates. Uh, and I know people are going to be like, well, I would never wish for Mitch McConnell. I'm just like, okay, well, when Tommy Toberville is your, <laughs> you know, based... Like you people this- are going to be crying for Mitch McConnell. <laughs> uh, and so like it is um, anyway, the, 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 I, I quote a lot of people in the focus groups. What's interesting about the focus groups is how clear they are. they just say things like we're never going back. Like I don't Nikki, I don't hate Nikki Haley, but she's a Paul Ryan type politician. That's not the direction I want for the party. Like this is not Trump is not an aberration. It's not a interregnum. Uh, so, which is a word you inserted into the piece. 
it's an evolution or no, it's a, it's like a, it's like a clean break and we're like in a totally new direction now. So here's my, here's my question for you. Put down your coffee first. I don't want you to spit it out. Okay. What are you going to say? If you were to ask these people, we're not going back to that. Mm-hmm. If you were to ask them, tell me then. So what are the policies from back then that you now don't like? And what are the policies now that you do like? Yeah. Can you please explain that to me, Mr. Cletus, sir? Mm. Uh, these are not – I you your derisive Cletus thing is not – is not who these people are. I, so, but what would they say to that? Like, would they say, well, I, you know, are they, this week, the Heritage Foundation, the Heritage Foundation, oh, which has spent great. decades calling people like me a com, you know, commies, because the answer to everything is the free market and uh, blah, 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 blah. And, and this week, the Heritage Foundation puts out a statement. They're like, well, we've been thinking a lot about these national conservatives and the common good. And, you know, it turns out the free market isn't always right. And we're going to start rethinking a lot of things over here. I'm like, really? What do your fucking 80-year-old donors think about that? <laughs> like, you know, you've been, you've been sent – you've literally, since these people – for 50 years, you've been sending these people direct mail talking about the communists who don't care about anything except wanting to ta- leave the makers alone. We must fight the takers. Blah, 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 blah. And now you're going to turn on a dime and be like, well, actually, actually, turns out we got to uh, we got to put the thumb on the scale and go after the corporations we don't like. Um, how's that going to work? And, and the answer is I think it'll work fine, right? Because those people didn't never cared about the free market in the first place. The free market was always just virtue signaling for them about the the we don't like those other people over there. And those other people over there were, you know, wanting to regulate corporations. And so they were in favor of unfettered capitalism. I think is this, this is a fair thing. No, I think this is pretty I think this is pretty correct. I saw that statement from the Heritage Foundation and I was like, it's almost funny. Like Did it blow your mind? Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, like, they've been going this direction. Like, I've been watching them sort of go this direction. But to be, just be explicit, to be like, we're rethinking. I mean, that's not what they said. But it was, yeah, we think common good conservatism now, like, doesn't involve an unfettered free market. It was just like, well, that's just like saying we've – our central thesis about everything that we built this entire enterprise on, like, we now reject – this is like the ACL. I, mean, I, I think people listening to this who aren't familiar, look, if, if you are not a DC person who's familiar with the Heritage Foundation, this is the equivalent of the ACLU saying, we're going to reconfigure our mission statement around the understanding, because we reflect on this, turns out some speech really is deeply harmful. And uh, our mission is going to be to adjudicate which speech is harmful and which speech is not going forward. Yeah. That's the equivalent of this. Yeah. I, but the the question you're asking about whether it helps or hurts, like, there's a new political coalition. Like, people have moved into the Republican Party who didn't used to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they want – this is where – they want vibes, man. They want the they want the fight. So that's, like, the top thing. But I do think they could articulate they, – and they can. So I do this within the focus groups. People will be like, you know, I didn't always love Trump, but I, I liked his policies. Um, because this is what people say who want to make sure that they signal to you that they did not condone all his bad behavior, mm, uh, no. but they liked his policies. And so I'll say, what kind of policies? I must have said this to you before. And they'll say, you know, America first policies. Uh, and they can tell you a little bit about what that is. And it is basically immigration, clamping down on illegal immigration, 
Uh, and it has it's and it's about like not shipping our jobs overseas, and it's about no forever wars. So like they can articulate uh, sort of a set of things, and then it's also this isn't like a policy thing, but it's also like culture war, anti woke, anti socialism. So, and those are the depth there is limited, but like they could articulate you know <laughs> so those kind. things. They could articulate those things. Limited, <laughs> and so that uh. Like, but t- the extent to which that is a complete reversal from what the Republican Party used to be, right? So it doesn't believe in free markets. It doesn't believe in global free markets. It's about captured protectionism. That's different. That's not where the Heritage Foundation was. That's not where anybody in conservative ink was. But now we're for that. And that's where the voters are. Hey, again, it's JVL. The conversation goes on from there. If you want to hear the rest of the show, head on over to Bulwark Plus and subscribe. We'd love to have you.